I do believe dyslexia is an asset because people with dyslexia have brains that are structured a little bit differently. And that structuring is really amazing. So let's say a student is writing a three in reverse. What that really means is that the student is capable of, in their mind, being able to flip and rotate shapes. Now, that's amazing. That's a really important skill for engineering, for architecture, for design, for, you know, painting. And it's something that we take as a negative, but really it is a positive when you look at that capability. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode features a conversation with dyslexia specialist Heidi Nord. A former teacher and reading specialist, Heidi is founder of the tutoring and coaching practice, The Brilliant Dyslexic. She coaches and leads workshops for kids, parents, teachers, and tutors in the areas of dyslexia, student success, and mindset development. I've been virtual friends with Heidi for a number of years now, so it was great to connect through the podcast and learn more about her work. Heidi is an expert on dyslexia, and I just love her passion and energy behind supporting children with dyslexia. She believes wholeheartedly that dyslexia is an asset, and she explains exactly why that is, as well as shares her insights as to how parents can support their kids if they have dyslexia. Oh, and before I forget, we're giving away one of Heidi's books for children, Thought Flipping, as part of this episode. I'll explain how to be entered to win that book at the end of our conversation. To learn more about Tilt, the revolution for parents raising atypical kids, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Hey, everybody, this is Debbie Reber on the Tilt Parenting Podcast, and I'm here today with dyslexia and ADD, ADHD specialist and founder of The Brilliant Dyslexic, Heidi Nord. And Heidi worked as a teacher and a reading coach for 16 years before creating her practice in 2007, which helps students, parents, teachers, and administrators with training in the areas of dyslexia, student success, and mindset development. And Heidi's also written four books, including Thought Flipping and Write Right. And her focus is on helping clients learn easier, grow flexible brain pathways, and generate a positive mindset for success. That all sounds really great to me. So welcome to the show, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me on. As you know, we are a relatively new podcast, and so far we've been kind of, you know, dipping our toe in the water of the world of differently wired kids. So we've been kind of doing episodes on a whole range of different issues and different types of neurological differences that many children are dealing with. But we haven't yet had anyone on the show talk about dyslexia. So I'm just really excited to be able to bring you on in that capacity. Right. Yes, I love the work that you're doing in the world, because I think we're seeing more children that are differently wired. And so I love that you have that term and that you're bringing that focus more into the light, because that's really what we need is for people to understand other people who are differently wired. So and dyslexia definitely falls under that category. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And thank you for the the kind words about tilt as well and differently wired. It seems like that language is resonating with a lot of people, which is really exciting for me to see. So well, just as a way to get started, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what it was that led you down this path of creating the brilliant dyslexic and doing what you do. 
Sure. So when I was a kid, I had an uncle, Uncle Alan, who had Down syndrome. And I remember being really young and sitting at my parents' kitchen counter, teaching him how to read. And it's one of those memories just that sticks with me. And I just kept trying different things, different strategies. And I was really young. I was like seven. And I always, pretty much since I was a kid, I really wanted to be a teacher. Um, I knew that was my path. So when I got my teaching credential and I had my first class, it was in North Hollywood in a really low-income neighborhood. And of the sixth graders, their reading levels varied from pre-kindergarten to eighth grade. And I realized that even though it was a low-income neighborhood, a lot of these kids had, had, had been going to the same school and area schools. So largely, they had received the same instruction. And it was pretty clear that it didn't make sense that, you know, enough kids were at the kindergarten reading level that, you know, why? I just wondered why. Why are some kids learning how to read and other kids aren't? It didn't make sense to me. So I went back to school while I was teaching and got my reading specialist credential and a master's degree in reading. And I feel like that question just has been with me almost my entire life. So I went back to get the reading specialist credential. And ironically, at that time, I graduated in 1994 with that, and nothing about dyslexia was said in that program. Wow. I know. <laughs> I know. So the, the challenge we have is that a lot of teachers have not been trained about dyslexia. So imagine me, I have a master's degree in reading, but still hadn't learned everything I needed to learn about how to instruct, you know, dyslexic students, because that finally, I had an, you know, an aha moment when I went to the 2002 California Reading Conference, and I sat in on a lecture by Susan Barton, and she, you know, everything just came clear all of a sudden. Oh, it's dyslexia. This is what I've been searching for for forever. And everything just made sense at that point. And I think still what we're seeing in schools is some of the old teaching patterns. And they haven't figured out how, how to do things a little bit differently, which is why we see such a big homeschooling movement and alternative school movement, because parents are wanting something different for their children. I'm I'm just kind of in shock, actually, to hear that you went that far in your education as a reading specialist, and it didn't come up. And that is just dumbfounding to right. me. I, I can't imagine. And it makes total sense. And, and what you just said, towards the end there of, you know, there are so many of us and I'm, you know, what I would call a unexpected, well, initially a reluctant homeschooler, mm-hmm. <laughs> homeschooling parent, and and but very much also an unexpected homeschooling parent because of having a child that you know whose needs weren't being met, and um and I and I know that there are many many parents with children who have dyslexia who are really struggling to find that school fit as well. So all right, so I want to talk about that, but before we do. Well, I know a lot of adults with dyslexia and and many children as well who are dyslexic, but 
it's not something that I have personal experience with. And I was just thinking about this before this conversation. I think my first sense of understanding what dyslexia is was from the original Beverly Hills 90210 mm-hmm. show. <laughs> dating me a little bit. But on that show, one of the main characters, Donna, was really struggling in school. And she kept doing poorly on her tests, even though she had spent so much time studying and preparing. And she got really down on herself and was kind of convinced that she just wasn't as smart as her friends until it was discovered that she had dyslexia. And and once that discovery was made, she was given these special accommodations for her schoolwork, and then things really turned around for her. So, So, you know, Thanks to Beverly Hills 90210, I learned a little bit, I think, about dyslexia. But I imagine that there are many parents, you know, who are listening to this who haven't been personally impacted. They might not have a super clear understanding on exactly what dyslexia is. So could you kind of explain to us what dyslexia entails? Sure, I'd be happy to. So dyslexia if we look at that word dyslexia, the literal meaning meaning is difficulty with language. So the dys means difficulty with and the lexia is language. So and that's the basic definition. So this difficulty with language has nothing to do with IQ. It's just that it's really hard to break language down. So there are some essential pre-reading skills that people need in order to start building their reading levels. And what happens is because dyslexia is language-based, typically what we're missing in schools is we are diagnosing it. We're trying to diagnose it too late. So we wait until a person starts having trouble reading. So we wait until sometimes the third and fourth grade when really it can be assessed for in kindergarten because it has to do with language. So there's a lot of speech patterns you'll see with dyslexia. One is changing the sounds in words. Um, and the syllables in words, so saying something like baschetti for spaghetti or hospital for hospital. So there's just some issues with language. And what's happening is uh, somebody with dyslexia is, believes they're saying those words correctly, but they aren't. So they need help with at the sound level, just processing sounds. And it's interesting because because we wait until uh, students in schools start failing, there winds up being a whole mass of mindset issues of um, people thinking that they aren't successful or they aren't smart enough. So for me, that's a huge area of dyslexia that we need to do some work with. Yeah, absolutely. I know of parents who's who have children with dyslexia, who when they made the discovery, it connected so many dots for them. But it was really heartbreaking for them to realize how much their children have been, you know, overcompensating and working so much harder at things and wondering why this is so hard for me. And uh, it is that surprising to me also that it, it is being diagnosed so late that it takes that long for those connections to be made. With the research we have, it's amazing to me. And with all of the social media, it's been challenging to get teacher mindsets to change. So a lot of teachers do know about dyslexia. So in Napa, 
dyslexia is known fairly well. And my number one referral resource is teachers. But we still need even more filtering of dyslexia instruction and what to spot in the classroom because it's so important because it can take a world full of pain away from the student who's having difficulty. Typically, when a student, you know, who comes to me learns they're dyslexic, it's majorly relieving because they know, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because then it doesn't mean anything about their intelligence. But all this time they've been thinking, oh, no, I'm just not smart enough to do this. And why can't this come easily to me? Whereas when they have a a name for it and figure out, oh, this means I'm extra bright. It's just that the language piece will be a little bit more challenging. It's really life-changing to come to that conclusion for students. Yeah, I bet. I'm, I'm, we, we see that with, you know, with our son who has ADHD uh, and Asperger's, it was very interesting. I mean, he was happy to find out what was going on with him. He kind of embraces his diagnoses. They explain a lot about who he is and, and it kind of empower him in that way. So that makes total sense. If you listen to this show, you probably know that at least one in five children is differently wired. But did you know that approximately one in two women will experience hair thinning? If you're part of that 50%, you are absolutely not alone. But because hair thinning for women isn't something people openly talk about, going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. So why not do something about it with Nutrafol? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth isn't going to cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, postpartum, menopause, even for different lifestyles like a plant-based diet. To get your personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes, you can take a simple hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com. And because there's no prescription required, you can quickly get set up online with free shipping and automated deliveries, which make it so much easier to stick with your new hair care routine. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TILT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code TILT. That's Nutrafol.com promo code TILT. I'm on the road this month and oh man, am I missing my sweet kitties Haskell and Lua. They've been a part of our family for more than two years and I'm so grateful they're keeping Darren such good company while I'm away. If you're getting a new pet soon, you're probably already thinking about everything you'll need to buy. Food, toys, a cozy bed, doggy bags, or litter boxes. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. 
They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. So going back to something you said, I'm just curious just about the education piece and with teachers not being trained um, to look for this uh, or really even understanding it. Do you feel like there is some resistance to kind of acknowledging or supporting dyslexia in school systems? What's your experience been in that with schools? In general, it really is school site dependent. You know, even in Napa, I know the the schools where they understand what it is. And, you know, I recommend those schools first because they know what they're what they're dealing with. And in other places, yes, I do find resistance. And that's something I'm super passionate about this. So it's a lifelong path for me to address that because helping people with dyslexia, I mean, it is so important because of their intellectual capabilities. When you have a dyslexic student who is confident, they're going to make some world-changing inventions. So, you know, bringing that piece into the puzzle is vital for our growth. You know, it is it is challenging sometimes because sometimes teachers, you know, spread the myths that aren't true. Like, you know, you can't test for dyslexia until a children is nine. You know, that's not, it's not true. Or just keep waiting, you know, he or she will outgrow this. That's not true either. They just need different instruction. And the earlier they receive that instruction, the better off the student is. Yeah, as is the case with, you know, with any sort of support with any neurological differences, the earlier you can kind of get on it, the better. Right. I often hear dysgraphia being kind of mentioned in tandem with dyslexia. So could you just explain to me what dysgraphia is and what how it's different from dyslexia? Yes. So I'll go back to that simple definition. So dysgraphia literally means the dis is difficulty with and graphia is writing. So some students, um, and this crosses over into ADD, ADHD, and then autism also, right? The autism spectrum. So, and some students have dysgraphia paired with dyslexia and some students don't. But really, it's challenging for students who have it to have the fine motor skills to make letters, not just correctly, but readable. And what happens specifically with dyslexia is what we want is something called dual coding. So if I'm listening to a recording of somebody reading, I'll learn even more if I'm reading along while the person is talking, is reading the book. Or I will learn more if I use a speech recognition program that will type for me. 
So the same thing happens with your handwriting when you're thinking about what you're going to write and you're writing it, you get that dual coding. And that's partly the challenge in somebody who has both dyslexia and dysgraphia is, you know, you're not getting that dual coding because it's harder to form the letters correctly. And typically with students with dysgraphia, one of the things that I like to do is to have them make more gross motor movements with the letters than the fine motor. So so on your hand, if you take a look at your hand and you wiggle your thumb, your thumb is actually a gross motor movement and your fingers are fine motor movement directed. So oftentimes people with dysgraphia will have a fist grip because they're trying to involve the thumb because those gross motor movements are easier to make than the fine motor. So, you you know, that typical like grip with the, you know, with a pen or a pencil is hard to make with that, you know, tripod. So, yeah, you're looking for the thumb grip and or hands that hurt often, you know, their hands hurt. So what I like to do is have them sky write. So in the air, so they can take their whole arm and write words that way, because then they get the dual coding, but with the gross motor movement, which is easier than the fine motor movement. Hmm, So interesting. So, you know, I I know that a a lot of the the parents who are connecting with Tilt have children who are twice exceptional. And I, I, a lot of the children that I know who are dyslexic and adults are also gifted. Is that something that is pretty common to see those two go hand in hand? Definitely. It, it is. And one student I have, I can think of, let's call him Max. He was at a school in Napa and he wasn't really getting the correct instruction and environmentally he was having a tough time. And so eventually the the parent decided to have him go into independent studies. And then I suggested he get tested as gifted and that happened almost immediately. And then, you know, pretty much a different child emerged because whereas the environment he was at wasn't helping him thrive he was able to leave that environment and then get the tools he needed and the self-confidence piece as well so yes I do find that is very true that these students are gifted I think with a lot of twice exceptionalities, it, it, it does tend to come as a surprise, especially for the child themselves. As You know, a lot of times ADHD is paired with giftedness, Asperger is paired with giftedness, and the disorder or the difference can t- sometimes mask that that giftedness. And, and I think that makes it really tricky. And it takes a lot of work on a parent's part, I think, to advocate for their kids to to, or someone like you in their life to say, hey, I think we should test for this as well. And that's so cool to hear about Max that, you know, he had this kind of total shift in his experience with school. That's very cool. It was really neat to see and to have it happen so quickly. But yeah, definitely that, you know, I see these kids a lot and they're dyslexic and they wind up being gifted also. And it actually... So when you look at teacher interactions with students, 
we we already know that the thoughts we're thinking about ourselves make a difference in the world. So if I think I am lousy, I might not be productive that day that I'm thinking that. But if I think that I have something to give the world, then I wind up being more productive because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The same thing can happen with the teacher. So if a teacher thinks that his or her students aren't very bright, the students pick up on that. Kids are really smart and they, they know, they can sense it. And then they start not doing as well because they're believing that maybe the teacher is right, that I'm not very bright. So that whole teacher interaction is really pivotal because if a teacher has an openness of what they are seeing in the classroom and maybe how intelligence is displayed, then they're going to have a very positive effect on the student. It's almost like dominoes. They just, you know, line up and fall into place because then the student believes really good things about themselves too. So that whole mindset piece is very important in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I'm a big fan of Carol Dweck's work and her book Mindset. And actually, we have mindset posters up in our classroom. It's it's a lot of how Asher and I have structured our homeschool is really thinking about that. But I hadn't thought about that impact that a teacher can have that makes absolute sense. Unfortunately, it's a lot of power for a teacher to have. And it sometimes it is the luck of the draw in what what kind of a teacher a child has and whether or not they're going to be able to support them. You know, you mentioned that you're doing work in mindset. Is that part of what you do in your training with teachers is help them work through that and, and approach their students with that kind of a mindset? Yes. So there's a study called the Pygmalion effect where researchers told a group of teachers at a school that they had, they each had five students in their classroom who were exceptionally bright. And what happened over the course of the year is those students made more progress. But the truth is, those children were chosen randomly. And, you know, and I tell teachers about that study so they can connect the dots that their interaction with the student does make a difference. And it's, it is a big part of what I do and what I try to teach students to do because it's really important to empower students so they have the self-confidence <laughs> to know their gifts and talents and not let a teacher sway it too much, if that makes sense. It does. It's it's challenging, especially for the younger ones, I think, you know, having, having experienced in our past in the world of school before we were homeschooling, having, you know, both a very supportive teacher and a not supportive teacher of the neurological differences that Asher has. That was really tricky territory when he was such a young kid, right, trying to figure mm-hmm. out who he is and what he's capable of. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's really difficult. So I love that you're doing that work with teachers. It's so important. I agree. Sometimes I look at education and, 
you know, if there was one thing that, you know, I could shift, you know, and obviously dyslexia is a big thing, but even just the mindset work alone, because sometimes we start thinking, oh, well, if there was more funding and more money in schools, or if we had different materials, I mean, I've seen materials, you know, classroom book adoptions change every seven years. That's challenging for teachers because they continually have to learn a new curriculum, you know, where, whereas something as simple as mindset, if the teacher changed their mindset about the students, that could be possibly an even greater switch than changing the materials, because it's, it's a form of just teaching, but in a different way. So, you know, constantly asking yourself, and even parents can do this, you know, where is my child bright? You know, where are they talented? And so you're, you're just kind of observing to see those peaks. Because sometimes what happens is we focus on the lows. And I mean, they say perception is everything. So when you wind up focusing on the, you know, the challenges that somebody has, that sometimes gets magnified. Whereas if you're focusing on the peaks, that can get magnified. So making sure to change instruction so that you're leveling for the the areas of challenge, but that it's so equally important, if not more so, to find what that student is really good at and loves to do because that will be their work in the world that winds up being so wonderful. This year I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, 
six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. I love what you just said. That is something I feel so strongly about. You know, I think you're absolutely right in the schooling, the educational system, especially in traditional schools. There is so much of a focus on the deficit. Oh, you're struggling with this? Let's do more of that then. As opposed to, you know, and often at the expense of really supporting and developing all these incredible gifts that that child has. It's the book um, Strengths Finders 2.0. Yeah, I love (laughs) that that book. book. (laughs) And that was, you know, just for me, when I went through that book, and I'll I'll post the the link for that on the show notes for those of you who want to check it out. But it, you know, helps you identify what your six core strengths are and how you move through the world. And that is a core tenant of that book is let's focus on our strengths. Because as you said, that is where the that is where your work is in the world. That's where you're going to be spending most of your life in that space. So that's very cool. So on your website, which is the Brilliant Dyslexic, and also if for listeners who are dealing with dyslexia in your world, I highly recommend check out Heidi's website. She has monthly free calls. She keeps a great blog. She's got books available and a lot of other resources. Uh, So on your website, you say that you believe dyslexia is an asset. And so I'd love to know what what you mean by that. Great. Yes, I would love to. And thank you for saying something about my website. But I, I do believe dyslexia is an asset because people with dyslexia have brains that are structured a little bit differently. And that structuring is really amazing. Something that people often know about dyslexia is reversals. So let's say a student is writing a three in reverse. So that is one of the warning signs of dyslexia. But what that really means is that the student is capable of in their mind being able to flip and rotate shapes. Now that's amazing. That's a really important skill for engineering, for architecture, for design, for, you know, painting. And it's something that we take as a negative, but really it is a positive when you look at that capability. So because of this different brain structuring, I really think that people with dyslexia 
are the inventors and the creatives of the world. So Einstein was dyslexic. And there are so many examples of people. Edison was dyslexic. So many examples of people who have made such amazing things with the capabilities that they have. And I think that's why I'm so focused on that part of it because, and like you said, with the Strength Finders book, you know, we need to highlight all of those positive things. And one of the interesting things that's actually happening now, because technology is changing so fast, even Google has a really great speech recognition program, but they also they also have a reading program where you can track how many words a student is reading. So that's an example of a company who probably has a lot of dyslexic employees because people who are good with technology can think completely out of the box and differently. And that's what a technologically advanced company needs is somebody who can think of creative things. So they're coming up with ideas that will enter the classroom that has nothing to do with, you know, maybe educational jargon or the standards that each state has come up with that students need to learn. So it's one of the the pivotal things I think that will help. I mean, even NASA actually recruits people with dyslexia. Um, And it's because of that unique thinking capability. So it's definitely something, I mean, I really think in the next five to 10 years, people will be wishing they were dyslexic or their children were dyslexic. It's a really exciting time to have some of these capabilities. It really is. I love that that companies are recognizing the gifts that come along with differently wired people and the way that they experience the world. Yeah, I just read an article a few weeks ago about about some companies who are specifically looking for employees with Asperger's because of the unique way that they're able to deal with technological data. And I think it's fantastic. You know, I always say that being differently wired, it's it's part of our evolution as a species. It is. It it, it definitely is because we're making a collective leap in consciousness, but also in intelligence. I mean, they're, they're paired. You can't leave one without the other. At least I don't think so. So the, the differently wired is really important for what's happening on an evolutional process. Definitely. And that companies are recognizing this you know, it's time for schools to get up to speed with all of (laughs) these new pieces of research. Absolutely. Before we go, um, do you have any tips or strategies to share with listeners who maybe they suspect their child might be dyslexic? Maybe their children are younger, you know, three, four, five, or with listeners who have a dyslexic child and they want to be, you know, support them as best as they can? What kind of tips do you have for them? For me, knowledge is power. So looking more into what dyslexia is and how to how to teach toward that is a really good idea. And know that some teachers will be aware of dyslexia, but some won't. So it's important to do your own research. So there are plenty of websites, and I can give you lists of, of websites to look for instruction about dyslexia and or, you know, whether or not you may have it. But basically, 
it is not something that is challenging to diagnose. And sometimes people, sometimes people try to complicate things. So um, one of Einstein's quotes is, oh dear, I'm not going to think of the whole one, but you know, we complicate things. We need to make things simple. So dyslexia, if you look at some of the warning signs and your, you know, kids fall into that, they probably do have it because it affects 15 to 20% of the population. So like anything else, it goes on a continuum from mild to moderate to severe. But you you want to figure out where you are on that so that you can be helped by school, but the school. But I guess that the biggest message is to not take that as your child isn't learning, but just to look at it as a language processing issue and that the the student knows they're really intelligent. And sometimes that means, so if you, you know, because sometimes we need to have our kids go to school, right? It's not always realistic for everybody to homeschool. It's just not. Absolutely. People are working, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not always realistic. So I think calmly, you know, going to bat for your kid. And um, I mean, there are study after study shows that homework doesn't help. And I think, (laughs) you know, making sure that your child is not slaving over homework at night is really important. And that takes a lot of courage to tell the teacher, you know, this you know, we are not going to be doing as much homework. But that is one of the things I suggest. You're not the first person on the podcast to to suggest that right. <laughs> to suggest that that's the way to do it. And, and it's something we did as well. So that's a I like that you you threw that in there. <laughs> More is not better. <laughs> definitely not definitely not. Well, this is so helpful. I would love to yeah, follow up with you and get some resources from you that I can post on the show notes. And where can people go to find out more about you online? What's the best place to find you? The best place to find me is at the brilliantdyslexic.com. And also, I'm combining two of my websites. So the other place is thoughtflipping.com. Okay, and thought flipping is the name of one of your books, which we're actually doing a giveaway for listeners of the podcast. If you leave a comment on the show notes for this episode, then you will get put into a a drawing to win a copy of Heidi's book, Thought Flipping. So Heidi, can you kind of give us a summary of what that book is about? Sure. Yes. Thought Flipping is, it's a book, but it's also meant to be kind of a game to teach kids how to think flexibly. The, The idea that we could choose our thoughts was really surprising to me at the age of 38. You know, I had no no idea that, you know, I I just kind of believe whatever, what somebody, somebody's impression of me or, you know, what my parents thought of me. I never really thought about that I could change my own thinking. And I think it's really important that students get this message really early on because it can change the way the student is perceiving him or herself. So it is a book geared for, you know, eight to 10 year olds. And it actually also has some cards that come with it. So you can put uh, your negative thought down and then feel where in your body you feel that negative thought And then you flip the card over and you can write down a better feeling thought and where you feel that thought. 
So it's encouraging kids to get in touch with their body's knowledge and believing something different about themselves. And I think that will be, you know, really good for healing as well. I love that. I'm going to have to get a copy of that book for us too. I'm always talking with Asher about that, how, you know, our thoughts control our emotional experience and how can we think about this differently. So at the show notes for this episode, you can leave a comment and you'll be put in a drawing to win a copy of that. So thanks for for that, Heidi. And just one more big thank you for being on the show today, sharing so much tremendous information. You clearly know your stuff and it's just been really fascinating for me to hear about something that was kind of a new topic for me. So thank you again for coming and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Debbie. I love the work you're doing in the world. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning into the Till Parenting Podcast. To learn more about Heidi and her work through The Brilliant Dyslexic, visit her website at www.thebrilliantdyslexic.com. For links to all of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at tiltparenting.com slash session 11. And we're giving away one copy of Heidi's book for children, Thought Flipping. To be entered in the drawing to win Heidi's book, just leave a comment on the show notes post and we'll choose a winner at random by June 15th. For more information on all of the podcast episodes, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast. Lastly, if you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing on iTunes and leaving an honest review. That really helps us get more visibility so more parents can become aware of Tilt. Thanks again for being part of the Tilt community. For more information on Tilt, the revolution for parents raising differently wired kids, visit www.tiltparenting.com. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell?, laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.